It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. A marketing rebellion has occurred, and it's still occurring. And we'll learn about that from one of the icons of marketing, Mark Schaefer. I thank you for joining us. If you're in marketing or simply a consumer, you may have realized that marketing and advertising isn't what it used to be. It sure isn't. And in this interview with Mark Schaefer, we'll look at why that is, some of the changes that have come about, and a more human approach that will work for everyone involved. No commercial today, a powerful discussion on marketing with Mark Schaefer right now. Mark Schaefer is a globally recognized author, speaker, podcaster, and business consultant who blogs at Grow, one of the top five marketing blogs in the world. He teaches graduate marketing classes at Rutgers University and has written seven best-selling books. His new book, and it is magnificent, it's called Marketing Rebellion, The Most Human Company Wins. It's a new view of business and a manifesto for human-centered marketing. It hit number one in both the marketing and advertising categories of Amazon. And I'll just tell you that my copy is highlighted, dog-eared, notated throughout. Mark's main website is businessesgrow.com. You can pick up his book on Amazon. Of course, all the pertinent links will be in the show notes. Welcome, Mark. Oh, Bob, what, what a nice introduction. Thanks so much. Oh, I just absolutely loved, loved your book. Uh, I want to talk about you first, though, if I may, <laughs> because one, and this fascinates me, unlike me, Mark, I, and I'm a person who is usually somewhat behind the times, you are usually ahead of the times and, and <laughs> have called some things very accurately. Tell us about that. Well, Bob, it, it took me a long time to find my gift. I, I wasn't a musician or a baseball player, and I <laughs> didn't make it as an astronaut. But uh, sometime in my 30s, I, I figured out I could kind of see how things fit together. I could see how trends are coming together and sort of project where we need to be. And I think that's what's made me very good at, at marketing. So while a lot of people are dwelling with the uh, issues of the day, I'm sort of looking at what's next. That's that's my fuel. So, um, I mean, one of my claims to fame is I wrote the first book on influencer marketing, mm -hmm. and this was 2012 before anybody was even using that term. Right. But I could see how the power was shifting from Madison Avenue to Main Street, uh, that people could now publish through social media and own their own voice and create their own influence. And then I think the uh, I've kind of got a good track record in calling what's going to be next. And another one that's kind of well-known, I suppose, is the idea of content shock. Mm -hmm. That was something I wrote about in 2014, and most people disagreed with me. <laughs> and all of those people have since apologized uh -huh. and said, yeah, you were right. Because uh, we could see this tsunami of content flooding our niches. And in any environment where there's too much stuff, the economics have to change. And I forecast that 
that content marketing was going to become more expensive and perhaps unattainable for many businesses. And certainly we see that's, that's true. So I've had a pretty good track record so far. Okay, your, your book title, Marketing Rebellion, and I want to talk about premises here, as I, I always do, probably annoyingly so to people. Uh, I think the premise of your book is right in the subtitle, correct? And that is the most human company wins. I mean, that's really kind of what it's all about, right? I, I think so, yes. I think it sums it up quite well. And it was a different sort of subtitle because most book subtitles, as you know, are like the six ways to blah, blah, blah. Right. And the message I wanted to get through was, first of all, that this is a book of hope. When you hear the word rebellion, that can be sort of a scary term. But I wanted to show that this is a, a book of hope and that we're in a world where the consumers are in control. And marketing, in many cases, Bob, has become a glorified IT department. And we're looking at automation. We're over-automating. We're annoying people. We're abusing people. And that just has to stop because the customers ultimately are in control. Our customers are the marketing department. And we have to think about them and connect to them in a meaningful new way if we're going to win in this environment. So what... What were the first two rebellions, consumer rebellions? Oh, great question. So that's sort of the the little history lesson at the beginning of the book. I, I love it. It just, da- it just dawned on me that this rebellion that we're in now was completely predictable mm. <laughs> because consumers have always been rebelling against abusive practices. Yes. And so advertising marketing first started coming into being in the mid 1800s and by about 1920 it was a big source of revenue for magazines and newspapers but back then advertising was remarkable promises and as the competition heated up those promises turned into lies the consumers rebelled that's how we got the FTC and the FDA here in America to make it a crime to lie to consumers and it turned out by the way mark i don't mean to interrupt but snake uh-huh. oil was a bad yeah. thing who knew yeah, that's right. That's right. Snake oil, right? And it's it's snake oil was an actual product. Right. <laughs> and uh, and, and so when I was doing the research, it was unbelievable how people used to market these products. It was just mind blowing how they would take advantage of consumers. <laughs> then the I, I was in the middle of the second rebellion, and that was really the dawn of the internet. And the way we made money in when when you and I were growing up in business. We made money, or most businesses made money on what people didn't know. They made money on the secrets. That's how we made our margins on selling a car, or selling insurance, or selling a vacation, or something like that. And with the internet, then our cons- our customers know more yeah. about our products and services than we do. Yes. So the second rebellion was against secrets. No more lies. No more secrets. Today. We're in this rebellion where it's the end of control. You know, every company has a PowerPoint chart somewhere that shows the customer journey, that shows the sales funnel. And here's how we're going to connect to people at each stage in the sales funnel. And those days are simply over. They're they're evaporating because the customer controls the journey. The customer controls the sales funnel. And even if there's lots of research about this, by the way, Mm -hmm. this is not... Mark Schaefer's opinion of the world. Last fall, Google came out with a series of white papers that showed even people 
B2C searching for the same things on the internet have this tangled journey to get there. Their conclusion was there is no customer journey anymore. There is no sales funnel anymore. That people are, are finding things in lots of different ways. And marketing used to be about changing people's minds. And now it's more about coming alongside people and respecting them because they have all the information of the human race in the palm of their hand. They can make up their own decisions and they need us to come alongside them. Okay, so I want to go back to something you've mentioned a couple of times and this made its way throughout the book and that is about control. It used to be the marketers who were in control uh, mm -hmm. no longer. And you told a beautiful story about ivory soap versus local soap. Okay, would you sure. share that? I, I love that. Yeah. It, it was a profound lesson for me, Bob, um, and sort of opened my eyes to what this third rebellion was all about. In the early days of marketing, if you have like a pie chart in your head and think about how much of the customer journey a business would control, it'd be about 90%. Because before the internet, the only way that customers would really become aware of us and build a relationship with us is through our advertising. But today, the research shows that two-thirds of our marketing is occurring without us. It's occurring through consumer conversations, online, offline, through testimonies, through these people we call influencers or affecting sales in a lot of ways. So two-thirds of our marketing is occurring without us. The control has shifted. And I project that as we go forward in business, let's say by 2025, it could be completely flipped where 90% of the control is in the hands of the customers. So the Ivory story is, is along those lines. Uh, Ivory was a remarkable product. In the 1960s, it had 50% of the soap market share. And that brand, that wonderful uh, product of Procter & Gamble was created through advertising. They advertised so much. That's how we got the term soap opera. They right. owned That's midday right. television. Mm -hmm. So um, I was shocked to see that their market share is less than 3% now. And it's like this is the biggest advertiser in the world with the smartest people and the greatest agency relationships. How is that possible? And it's not just Ivory. It's all these legacy brands like, you know, Mr. Clean and Pampers and Tide and Crest. They're all hemorrhaging. And when they're hemorrhaging, the ad agencies are hemorrhaging and laying off people. And the answer to this issue came to me when I was standing in the, in the bathroom of, of a young couple. I was over at their house for dinner. And I looked and they had this cucumber and grit soap <laughs> from a local soap company. And I thought, now here, these, pe these people, they're newly married and they're on a budget. Why in the world would they buy this expensive soap? So I asked my young host and I said, why did you buy this? <laughs> when these companies have been advertising to you your whole life, why do you love this brand? And she said, you know, I don't know if I love this brand, but I love the hands that made it. Ooh. And she went on to tell me how much she loved these people, what they stood for, how they're involved in the community, how they support the local maker movement, how they buy local products. They're concerned about the, the environment. They treat their employees so well. And she said, all that 
that means something to me. And she said, I don't think they advertise. In fact, I don't know the last time I saw an ad. She said, I watch TV, but I watch Netflix. I watch Amazon Prime. I don't see ads. I listen to the radio all the time, but I listen to Spotify or audiobooks. I don't hear ads. I don't see ads on my newsfeed. I've got an mm. ad blocker on my smartphone. Mm. She said, I would say my advertising consumption is down 95% in the last five years. This person is unreachable by many of the things we've held on to right. as business leaders and marketers. And if you think about this, Bob, she's created this emotional t attachment to a person. The, the attributes of the, of the product are secondary to the emotional connection she's had with this local business leader. And she paid 10 times more for this bar of soap because of the meaning and the purpose she attached to this family. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's one of the key ideas going forward. How do we move into that two-thirds that's controlled by our customers? We can't buy our way in through the old methods we've been relying on. We have to earn our way mm. in. The brands of the past, like Ivory, were built through an accumulation of advertising impressions. And today, our businesses and brands will be built through an accumulation of human impressions. Ooh. That's one of the key lessons in the book. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, uh, related to that, you said, and I just love, love this. Deep down, we've always known that business is about emotions and relationships. And I, mm -hmm. I so love that. So I want to, I want to. That's you, man, isn't it? <laughs> well, thank you. Well, that's, that's very nice. That's thank everything you. you've written about and <laughs> spoken about. And I, I can see why that, that connects to you because you, you've, you've been a pioneer in this area. You know it and you believe it and you've preached it. And now we just have to listen to what we know. Mark, thank you. Coming from you, that is, that is quite a compliment. Thank you. And I, I want to. To segue into something then, because, you know, we look now at, at technology, which, uh, you know, certainly it's fantastic, but there's become an over-reliance on technology and automation with marketers. And I'm wondering, in your opinion, would you say that marketers don't seem to maybe realize that the technology is the means to the end, a way to deepen the connection as opposed to the end itself? Well, I think that's very true. I think technology has become the enemy of great marketing. Ooh. And it's not because technology itself is bad. Right. It's because it's so good. It's so easy right. and so fun and so intoxicating. And we can buy a, 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 an email list of a million names for $9.99 and then you know, send out a, a spam blast to all those people. And if just one person buys, it pays for itself. Well, at the same time, we've, we've spammed 999,999,000 people. And we've, we've lost our way. Marketing has become sick. It's become a glorified IT department. We've forgotten why we're here and what we're supposed to do. And I reflected in the book about why I got into marketing. I was a junior in college taking my first marketing class and I opened up this book from Dr. Philip Kotler, 
principles of marketing, mm-hmm. something a book almost all of us have had, I think, at some point. And it and Dr. Kotler said marketing is a combination of psychology, sociology, and anthropology. And I actually went back to eBay, Bob, and, and found that exact edition of that book. I have it on my desk now. And it made me wistful and sort of sad that he's right, but we forgot about that. Most people in business today don't think about marketing as being all things human. Mm-hmm. They think about it as all things technology. And we and we pursue technology. One of my theories is we're afraid not to. We look at everybody else and they're building their MarTech st- stack when we don't understand most of these things anyway. And we keep investing in it because we're afraid not to. And we've just lost sight. And Bob, we're doing things in our businesses that people hate. And we have to stop that. If you look at something like robocalls, where businesses are now um, pretending, they found a way to pretend that this phone call coming in is from your area code or even from someone that you know. It's, you know, when did marketing become conning people? That just has to end. We have to use technology in a way that's transparent, in a way that that reduces the friction between ourselves and our customers. We, we need to use technology that creates emotion and builds relationships and and and, helps, and, and you know what, Mark? And I don't mean to interrupt. Serve people. Yeah, serve people, not tick mm-hmm. people off. And right. and let's look at it now. Not even the robocalls, which are bad enough in itself, uh, but we know those aren't personal. But here is something personal: you have an appointment to go in to get a new car, mm-hmm. and so they they utilize technology beautifully in terms of setting the appointment and making sure everybody knows. But then you walk in, and what happened? Yeah, I, they didn't even know I was coming in, <laughs> and they and 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 they they didn't have. The salesperson wasn't there. They nobody even knew that the appointment had been made. <clears throat> it was the salesperson's day off. They had offered me a car that wasn't even on the lot. I mean, everything just went wrong. And the funny thing is, I, I was telling this story in one of my classes at Rutgers this week, and there was actually someone there from a big car brand, mm-hmm. and she just sort of nodded her head knowingly saying, you know, we're, we're wrong. We just have to, we have to change. Too many businesses are looking for a marketing easy button. They're Uh, trying to take people out of it. And here's the thing that's so crazy about this. I asked the sales manager, how many appointments does a salesperson even have in a day? And he said two at the most. And I said, are you telling me that person can't manage his own appointments two a day? He can't send out his his own emails. And I was a big fan of this brand. I'd bought these cars for 25 years, and they completely turned me off. I'll never go mm-hmm. back to that dealership again. Yeah. Okay. So now let's take the opposite. Um, you know, commo- most products and services are commodities. I mean, technology is leveled off the playing field in that terms, right? A hotel is a hotel. But you share, by and large, you know, but you shared a delightful story under the subhead, what's love got to do with it? And mm-hmm. apparently when it came to a New Brunswick, New Brunswick, New Jersey Hyatt Hotel, it had everything to do with it. What happened? 
Well, there's we talked earlier, Bob, about this McKinsey research, and it, it showed that uh, 87% of our customers are shop around today. And But there was a clue in the research. And they said, over the last 20 years, there's been this dramatic decline in loyalty because emotion is lacking. And again, it's because we're too reliant on technology. And so I always stay at this high in New Brunswick for one reason. And I pay more because the lady at the front desk, Terry, knows me. And she greets me and she waves at me. And a couple years ago, I it was my last business trip of the year. There was a blizzard in New Jersey. My plane had been delayed five hours. I was frozen. I was exhausted. I was starving. I was late for my meetings. And when I came back to my room that night, I had a fruit and cheese plate and a carafe of wine there and a handwritten note from Terry hoping that my day would get better. And when I checked out the next morning, she came out from behind her counter and she hugged me <laughs> goodbye. And I was so moved by this singular act of humanity in this unexpected place, mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. big hotel chain, that I wrote a blog post about it called How I Was Hugged by a Brand. Literally, it was just so moving and so unusual. I wanted to call attention to the power that this had. Well, since then, you know, Terry's been recognized. She, w she was named Employee of the Year. Oh, I love it. Uh, and, and here's the funny thing, Bob. I, I just love this. So this is one of the stories in the new book, of course. People are coming to the Hyatt with my book, Asking for Terry. Oh, oh, that's Isn't wonderful. that just amazing? Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, the, and there's even been a hashtag going around, we need more Terry's. Ah, that's awesome. Because in our hearts, that's what we were crying mm -hmm. out for. You know, we're tired and we're lonely on the road. And uh, and just getting that act where someone just recognizes us and, and, and notices that we're having a really bad day. And, you know, what did they pay? What did they, what was their out-of-pocket cost for this cheese plate? It was probably a buck. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it just meant the world. So let's um, uh, let's look at another way that people can can create um, this kind of wonderful feeling and wonderful mm -hmm. emotion, and that is by honoring the fact that belonging. Uh, this is actually belonging is what you call the greatest human need, and it's in many ways an unmet need. And it really uh, is. Yeah, tell us about this. Well, it's just. One of the, so the, the foundation of the book, what I sort of build the book around is this idea that we need to get reacquainted. Re we get, need to get in touch with what our customers really need, what's not changing. I call this the constant human truths. People want to be acknowledged. They want to protect their self-interest. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be loved. They want to find meaning in their life. And one of the biggest needs right now is this need to belong. We have a belonging crisis in our world. But the research shows in a very profound way that the more time we spend online and in social media, the more lonely, the more isolated, the more depressed we, find, we, we become. Mm -hmm. 
And this almost sounds like a joke, but last January, the UK government appointed a minister of loneliness. The problem has reached a crisis proportion in terms of mental health and the cost of dealing with these problems and the escalating rates of escalating rates of suicide. And so one of the big issues I tackled in the book, it was a difficult thing to look at is, is there a role for companies in this? And I'll have to tell you, Bob, I was skeptical. I mean, I think this whole idea of customer communities and social media communities is overplayed and overhyped. But once I got into it, I found that there, there really is something happening there that company that people they want to connect to companies in emotional in an emotional way they want to know what's going on behind the scenes they want to connect with real people at these companies and uh, there's something there it's a very important marketing strategy going forward yeah and one thing you one um, thing you said in the book one of my probably one of my favorite quotes I think ever uh, and that is the best companies on earth don't own customers. They own yeah. a space and help mm. customers belong there. Yeah. I think, I think you can probably see that in, in your experience. And I certainly see it in my experience where I'm not a very salesy person. That hard sell is really difficult for me. And I'm a generous person. I'm a go-giver. <laughs> and, um, and I think I've created this, this space of trust that will help people belong. And one of my favorite stories in the book is, is North Face and how they've created this space for extreme sports athletes. These are people who are living on the fringes of society. They spend their times living and sleeping out of vans they 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 look for the best weather. They are they're you know climbing rocks. They're running trails. They're you know they're climbing over boulders. They're going over glaciers, and they're maybe a little crazy <laughs> by most standards. And North Face has created this video and really a movement um, to help them feel like they belong that they're not crazy, they're pioneers, they're explorers. And North Face, through their marketing, has said, you do belong, and specifically, you belong to us. And they've done this by creating this space, and it's all done by, the, by putting the stories of the customers first. This is one of the, I think, primary reasons primary ways why where marketers have to change we've been fed this line where our stories and our marketing starts with us it's our story it's our mission it's our why it's the arc of our story people really don't care about that it's the it's the arc of the customer's story mm. it has to start with the customer's why that's what they really care about oh. and that's what the best companies like Nike are doing and what that's what North Face are doing and many of the companies that are featured in my book that I think represent how to really succeed in this new era that we're in, in this post-loyalty, post-sales funnel, post-advertising era. You, you make the customer the hero of the story. Mm, so many gems. And, you know, uh, 
when I say I could uh, literally talk about this with you for hours, I don't mean that figuratively. I mean it literally because I've got tons more questions and talking points I would love to ask you about, but we are out of time. By the way, you have lots of free resources in the book as well, uh, and those are also going to be in the show notes. You really put it out there. Uh, I just want to thank you because this was really, and I think I told you, this book is a work of art. And we well, scratched you, we scratched the scratch of the surface in this, so <laughs> so thank you. Uh, Mark Schaefer is a globally recognized author, speaker, podcaster, and business consultant who blogs at Grow, one of the top five marketing blogs in the world. Uh, he teaches graduate marketing classes at Rutgers University. He's written seven best-selling books. His newest one, and this is a just get this one: Marketing Rebellion, the most human company wins. It's a beauty. Make sure and pick it up at amazon.com. The link is in the show notes. His website is businessesgrow.com where you can find everything Mark Schaefer, including having him speak uh, at your conference. Again, check out the show notes below for everything, Mark. Mark, fantastic job again. Thank you so much. Wishing you the best of continued success. Thank you, Bob. It was an honor being with you today. Main takeaway I receive from Mark is that hanging on to the old style of marketing is pretty much a death knell at this point. But fortunately, when your focus is connecting on a human level and understanding that it's your customers who will drive your marketing, your bottom line will reflect that in a big way. What did you take from the wisdom Mark shared with us? Please feel free to write to me at bob at berg.com and let me know. All of John David Mann's and my books in the Go-Giver series can be found at thegogiver.com where you can download chapters one and two or just click on the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review and your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver Podcast is brought to you by TheGoGiver.com. Visit www.TheGoGiver.com and get our free special report, Endless Prospects, The Go-Giver Way. That's TheGoGiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Bird. Make it a great day.